How do you like that mask I got you, Mike? Yeah, democracy is indigenous. I I think that is a such a fitting <laughs> fitting mask. Yeah, I appreciate it. Also, mm-hmm. fitting mask for for what we're about to talk about for where we are in this country, and it definitely goes along with the email I got earlier earlier today, which is why I called you up and was like, "Hey, we need to record." You know. A special edition Napcast right now, mm-hmm. and that's because I got the question: Hey, how do I how do I talk to my kid about this election? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly my answer. Uh, yeah, you know, was there something in particular they were looking for? Like what? <sighs> like just supports. So, how old was the kid? Um, three. Kid was three. So, just graduated from the toddler classroom. It's now pre preschooler and i said hey what better person to talk to than you i don't know about that but i mean i guess i'm just like well did the kid bring it up Mm. like you Mm. know like what's the what's the importance of trying to i mean i know the importance of talking about kids about political things at points but i wonder if it's more about talking about the process like the bigger picture first with kids Mm. right because i think if we start becoming really specific about it, especially with young children, it might seem a little, uh, and, and I do believe kids are capable of understanding. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it might fly over their heads if we get too wordy with it. Hmm. And I think ultimately though, the conversation is about fairness. Right. All right, y'all. So everyone knows that childcare is essential. We're some of the most influential people out there yet. We are often overworked and underpaid. So how can you work full time, have hobbies, show your friends and family love, self-care, and also fine tune your skills and grow more in depth? That's where we come in. These NAPCasts are designed to help you learn on the go, hear another perspective, spark debate, (laughs) heck, even agree with us, but honestly remind you that you're not alone. We live in a complex world, so allow us to challenge your perspective. So are your headphones in? Did you turn the volume up? All right now, good. Let's get it. Surprise, surprise. Politics are front and center right now, which, you know, makes it a great time to talk to kids about the democratic process Mm. so how do you intentionally broach the topic of elections of voting with young children and how do you you go about just explaining you know assuming you do how do you go about explaining how divisive it is Mm -hmm. yeah well you know again i'm speaking from the perspective of toddlerhood Mm -hmm. and so a lot of what teaching them is is the beginning so showing them the beginnings of a process right like giving them scissors is just like this is how scissors work this is how you put your fingers in it this is how you go along with it i'm not going to carry an expectation of them like now create a snowflake you know where we fold the paper and do all that because there are particular motor skills that need to happen first do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> <laughs> and just like there, I think with things like when we talk about uh, voting and uh, democracy and politics, there are other 
social, emotional, and cognitive things that need to be established first. And so I think talking with them about it is giving them the practice of something in a real life experience. And for them, the way that has looked has been, I'll take one hand as a closed fist, my other hand as a closed fist, and we're going to vote on, are we going on a canal walk or are we going to the playground? Okay. And then I'll explain, all right, when I say your name, tell me if you want playground or the canal. And of course, you know, it's hard for them to, so like little popcorn, they're like, like, oh, I want this, I want this. And I'll just have to emphasize when it's your turn, you know, then I'll get your, your vote. And this is what is called a vote. And so luckily we have like 10 kids in the class and I only have 10 fingers. I have pulled out my, my foot and used my toes at times, but you know, like, okay, three kids want to have, uh, go for a canal walk. Five kids want to go on the playground, and two kids haven't. They don't seem like they they don't care, so they're abstaining. <laughs> and would you just go through that process? And you know, I'll show them like this hand has more fingers up than this hand. We voted to go to the playground, not the canal. And inevitably, there'll be some moans and uh, I want to go to the canal. It's like, yep, sometimes when you vote, you get what you want, and sometimes you don't, you know? And, and, and then we just keep moving along. Maybe next time, the vote will be different. So it's that, like, act of, this is what voting is, and then these are the repercussions of it. So it's not necessarily you going, hey, <clears throat> Biden versus Trump, yeah, Trump today, yeah. you know? You're really just making it into easy and accessible ways. Right, yeah, it's, it's giving them that... Um, a relatable experience and it and then and again i'm speaking from a, a, a toddlerhood like two to three mm. sort of perspective now but i i think it's i just remember growing up and now that makes sense where my family they didn't necessarily talk politics but they were like okay let's vote what's what's for dinner tonight you know is mm. it going to be chicken or is it guy usually usually just was chicken but you know was it chicken or was it vegetables you know and it was it was fostering that kind of debate in understanding and developing arguments and the pros and cons of each one so you know helping me understand like majority rules sometimes Mm -hmm. so i think mike when we're trying to explain to kids to children that that their choice isn't going to happen, you know, whether it be like, Oh yeah, you wanted this for dinner, but we're going to have this. Mm. It's letting them know like a decision has been made and it's okay to be uncomfortable with that feeling. It's okay to be angry with that feeling and it's okay to express that anger and that feeling. And at a certain point as an adult in their life, we should honor their choices at a certain point right and it's not necessarily meaning to like give in to them and to sort of placate into their their feelings of disappointment but to reach across the aisle yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and you know there we can model compromise because Mm -hmm. i think it's interesting to me when i'm thinking about it right now compromise is a a form and an act of compassion Mm -hmm. right and i think that is something that is lacking in in our political system, <laughs> compromise and compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what would happen if we started 
carrying those a little bit more. And we started modeling that with children. And have you ever seen, or if you're going for a walk with, with children, um, ever seen something happening in, in the world that, that catches their interest that then you have to talk about the election or what's going on in the world? Because for me, I, you know, I think about what have you run into a long time that says, vote for such and such, or you see a bumper sticker. Do they ever point that out for you? <laughs> I mean, there, yeah, there have been moments, and, and again, it's like, it hasn't been with toddlers, but uh, there were moments uh, when I did work with older kids or when we were doing pre-COVID stuff and, or during COVID at the very beginnings of it, and I was in like the mountain room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kids would say things like, I'm not going to point out a particular party, but they would say like, this political party is stupid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> And, you know, knowing that their family come or believes a certain way, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things where it's kind of, I think where we, where we try to meet and validate what, what they're saying and meet them at their level and then try to get them to explain more. Because a lot of the times they're just regurgitating information. And if you are, if you have cultivated a classroom culture or school culture that feels safe for a child to just express whatever's popping into their head <laughs> for whatever reason, then that's great. And we have to maintain that safeness by just conversing with them. And, you know, I, I struggle or had struggled as a classroom teacher of like, how, how, how blatant do I become in this conversation? Or I'm like, yep, I don't agree with this because it upholds these values that I don't agree with. And if and if I don't put it down, am I ultimately allowing room for um, for those values? You know, to you know, and is it my job to filter it for the kids? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a tricky balance, and I think it really I don't I've come now to really just embrace that there isn't a right or wrong approach to it. Well, maybe there is a wrong approach to it. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're, I guess, supporting something or someone who perpetuates hate and divisiveness and, and isolation, then, then maybe that's, yeah, (laughs) then that's something you need to speak out against. And, and, and that's going against that status quo that we've, I think, talked about a lot. Um, A lot of the uh, systematic forms of oppression and racism and, and sexism and and genderism. And it, you know, so I think we do, we do owe it to the children to, I guess, start getting a little political. Well, education is, it is, it's very, yeah. No matter what side of the aisle you take or you don't take. Yeah. And and obviously, you know, to you and then to the audience out there, like, I'm not going to have like the answer of it. Only just, you know, my perspective and my experience. And, and this is a complicated issue and that's okay. So let's jump to, is the, let's jump to, let's jump back to what you said about kids bringing up certain things, right? Mm-hmm. That, they, that they just regurgitate. So what happens when they don't just say things, but they act upon it? So what happens when children play out certain issues in the classroom 
you know, when, for example, they start saying, let's build the wall and, and they start physically constructing it or they're playing nurses and doctors. And one of them says, I don't know, I'm making this up, but, you know, <laughs> uh, I can treat you because I would afford Medicare for all. So what happens? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's 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 a good scenario. Those should be like interview questions yeah. <laughs> to someone. Um, I think again, yeah. Just if you if children are playing that out, then they obviously feel safe and free to do so because of the the classroom culture that you've created. Whether that's a pro social or maybe not so pro social way of doing it, uh, or of cultivating a classroom culture. And I think, you know, this is just that process of, of teachers where we should see ourselves as researchers and we are observing, taking notes and maybe later on asking questions mm. and, you know, if like, all right, yeah, build the wall. Like, okay, what are we building the wall for? And okay, this are building it for this. And then maybe later throwing in a wrench into their plan. Like, and then all of a sudden it's, this monster or this person or something comes in and breaks down your wall. What do you now? Like, how do you, you know, just kind of giving, playing their story with them. Okay. I like that because, you know, I think for most people, their, their gut reaction is to be like, no, don't do that. Right. Well, and that's like, let's one that's like always persistent. That always happens. Gunplay. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and, and the response is what you just said from a lot of teachers, just no. No, no, we don't do that. Guns are bad. Don't do this. And and I and there is a that feeling from the adult and the teacher is very it's very real. Especially if you're in a community where gun violence has happened and let's say a child has lost their father because of police brutality, mm-hmm. then I understand why. And at this I understand why the teacher's gut reaction is just a flat no. And and at the same time, I I would want to implore the teacher to to go about finding a process to explore with the children of why. Because remember, we always talk about behavior serve a need. Yep. And a lot of the need is like they're trying to understand something. Mm. You know, and I think a lot of, especially using that example of gun violence or guns, it's so sensationalized and it's entertainment. You got stormtroopers shooting at each other. It doesn't. <laughs> They they assume that's what it looks like. Um, I know growing up for myself, it was like watching more movies and seeing, you know, a Hollywood version of it. Um, you know, and and it becomes different when you when you're in a community that has experiences with those traumas, though. And I just once again, I'm just going to point out just how. Just how I, I always appreciate how you continually state that children are capable, right? Mm-hmm. That because a lot of the things that I, I've read or I've seen or just heard growing up has always been around. Oh, kids may not understand the concept of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You know, and for you, it's you're it's the complete opposite you're saying they can't actually understand you know maybe not everything not maybe to the to the literal law but they can't understand this and they also have emotions behind um this rhetoric Mm -hmm. yeah and it's 
again, embracing the process and not just going for a product. And sometimes that product is, no, don't do that. Mm. Or we, we don't do that. Mm. Because then we're just leaving the kid hanging of like, well, why? Mm-hmm. Why can't I do that? Like, why are you getting so emotionally charged, <laughs> tall person? You know, and tall person. <laughs> yeah. Like, why can't we just like, you know, break it down for them? Uh, and it was interesting because like, you know, we just had Halloween here and one kid's, one kid dressed up as like a SWAT, SWAT member. Mm. And, and, um, this other kid who was dressed like Hulk, like was playing with his handcuffs and started arresting another <laughs> like kid and was like, get up against the, yeah. the fence and put your hands behind your back. And like, I'm arresting the bad guy. It was just like interesting to watch them like play it out. And especially in these day and age. Yeah. And I mean, I used to play those games too, but it was, you know, it was very reflective of where we lived. You know, Ali's LA nineties was like, yeah, it was you know, get on the ground, kick your legs out from underneath <laughs> of you and you know, take this gun and put it up against your head and whatever, or this toy gun. And yeah. So it, it, I don't know. It was very, uh, I hesitate to use the word nostalgic <laughs> watching these kids play, but it felt very, it just resonated with me in the uh-huh. games that I used to play. So is there any kid friendly issues um, that you intentionally bring into the class mm-hmm. to discuss politics? Again, like, yeah, my experience being with the toddlerhood, I don't think I've ever dived into anything specific. I remember when this presidency first kicked off and the disappointment on parents' face coming in and and then bringing their emotionally charged self into the classroom. And I was a closer and they're picking up their kids and parents were congregating and just crying and their kids are playing and like looking at them like what, what mm-hmm. just happened? And, and their parents aren't giving them any information about it. They just see their parent in distress. And I, I understand why, but the kids didn't. And so then I posted up at the door and I invited those parents. I'm like, if you're going to have this conversation, go out there. Because if you're not going to take this moment to explain to your kid yeah. why you're feeling this way, and maybe I don't, I can't assume all parents in this classroom feel the same way. So I felt this protectiveness of like, you know, protecting the emotional environment for the child. And in retrospect, though, I'm like, maybe I should have just allowed it and then took it upon myself to distill that information to the mm-hmm. children. And um so yeah i I, you know i I definitely kind of kicked parents out of the classroom like (laughs) go be sad over there we're not doing that in here kids are playing and whatever and maybe that was like my own my own fear of like i don't know how i'm going to break this down yeah in this moment give me some time to think about it and so now four years later now i'm like oh i could have done this (laughs) um but yeah i haven't I guess other than the uh, the voting piece mm-hmm. of of how how to vote for particular things, that would be the um, the kid friendly issue of politics. But and you know, race is a, a political thing. Yeah. And one thing I've seen uh, done that was really cool was by educator Chelsea Myers uh, when she was in the raindrop room with me. Real briefly, she she put it our our baby dolls down and then she put uh, paint you know uh, so we had like one one caucasian looking baby and then two black babies 
one one darker skin and one lighter skin uh, of brown, and they and sh- then she put in cups of the paint that kind of match their skin color, just to see if like were they going to try to paint the the black babies white, or was, were they going to try to match them up or whatever? And I thought that was a really cool provocation, just to like see what the kids would do, because yeah. you know their their minds are starting to form the idea of classification and where do things go. And they are starting to understand the di- like same indifference, right? And mm-hmm. noticing the physical characteristics of people, and really putting it to words or their thoughts into words. And so, I thought that was a yeah really awesome provocation. And I you know I'd love for other people to do that and like send email us and send us a response of what your kids did. Yeah. You know, there's a provocation for you. So I'd say that was like that's a good key friendly like or kid friendly issue that was brought in intentionally i also remember you taking your class out to uh seattle center one of the parks oh and yeah and they saw one person who was homeless yeah 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 and then you followed up with a couple of different additional yeah applications to extend that learning i think that's a for me that in my head that's a kid-friendly issues it's true yeah homes and security mm-hmm. so can you talk a little bit more about that yeah uh and i think that was what in our third or fourth episode we might have talked about mm-hmm. and as a recap yeah we were at the seattle center and someone was sleeping on a bench and a couple of um my toddlers had noticed it and they were kind of watching because they were climbing on the benches and jumping off and and they kind of wanted to go over there and like jump on where this person was sleeping and they didn't but they were definitely watching them kind of curious about it and so then i wanted to see or and then later on they had like they came back to the class and they were building benches mm. right out of the big unit blocks that we had and then sleeping on and covering each other up with like mm-hmm. the fabrics so then i wanted to see what they would do if i had posted if i put up different like living domiciles like uh, homes in in india uh, tent homes that we have here, uh, car, you know, cardboard homes, and and then I maybe had like one 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 picture of like a sort of stereotypical Queen Anne home, right? Mm-hmm. And it it was just interesting to see like them look at particular pictures and then try to construct it and play it out, and and see, and and then some of the pictures had like people sleeping on the ground whether it was in, in Korea or Japan or India and in the United States um, and in Seattle specifically and, and kind of just seeing what they did with it and see what their, their knowledge of uh, quote unquote home. Right. And a lot of times, and this was at sort of in the beginning of the year. So a lot of their language was kind of, kind of jarbled and like, but you could tell they were communicating with each other mm. and like saying, like, I'm sleeping on the ground or I'm going to have a bed. Or this is my home, or my home is this one, and pointing at like, like the tent, or even relating like, oh, I sleep in a tent sometimes with my family, and then they'll describe a camping situation. And so, I think just at the toddler level, just getting them to think and experience these, uh, these, yeah, I mean, these pretty political sorts of ways of looking at it. If you can go back, would would you? Think to tie this into anything else, whether that's like environmental issues or mm. sanitation and clean water. 
is there is there anything off the top of your mind that you like actually this is something an additional provocation I would introduce? Yeah. Ooh. That could be yeah, you know, I, I did think like at one point I did flirt with the idea of like getting, uh, mixing some food coloring so that way it came out to like a light brown or even putting some like uncaffeinated or decaffeinated tea into the water. And so it looks like a little bit of brown. I'm talking about clean water yeah. versus, but, but then I realized and I hesitated because I didn't want them to think like, oh, well, this brown water with, with Nick was good to drink and it was okay versus like, you know, and then they're like, oh, yeah, puddle water. Like, <laughs> no, like, it's like, it's brown. Like, they can have that association. So I kind of steered away from it. I was thinking the opposite. I was thinking mm. about um, how they might associate homes in India, homes in mm. foreign places as, oh, they only have, quote, unquote, dirty water. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been a good like follow up, and there could have been you know a lot of like messaging happening. I guess I was what I'm saying is like I wouldn't want them to think that all brown water was going to be safe to drink, yeah. and so I didn't want to like get that snowball rolling, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but it could have been a very valuable lesson to 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 talk about like who has access to clean water and just because I've had that conversation not about clean water, but I think with homes. We had talked about like, yeah, not everybody has a home that keeps them or a living place that keeps them warm, mm -hmm. right? Um, and just like, yeah, not not all kids get to have clean water to drink. We'll be right back. Hilltop Children's Center is a high-quality preschool, after-school program, and professional development institute of early learning and inquiry, serving the Seattle community since 1971. Together, we are working with the next generation of inventors, leaders, thinkers, artists, and social activists. For more information on our professional development and community outreach, including workshops, presentations, blogs, coaching and consulting, and of course, this NAPCAST, please visit www.hilltopcc.org. So... Because politics is, is the flavor of the month, weekend, year, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, and I've, I've also heard it, this word citizenship be used in the classroom. But I, as I think just about the word citizenship, I, I often question what exactly does that mean? Or are we actually being more offensive? When, when we say that, right? Do you have thoughts? <laughs> yeah, you know I do. <laughs> well, and yeah, that's only just something that um, friend and mentor Ann Pello like brought up to me uh, when when we were doing the last bit of editing of my book, and it, you know, we I think we take that word for um, for granted in the United States citizenship, and I think during this, you know, right now, like. When we see, when we talk about citizenship, our intents are really good. We're talking about people who are living in this country. And I think to a degree, without saying it, we, we're probably alluding to the idea that people are living with some sort of responsibility and lively participation in democracy. Mm. But there is a truth out there that the majority of the 
great families who live in the United States are undocumented people. And that word citizenship can become a sort of erasure word for what their experience is in our nation and and, and an experience of what their lives are and and their and it might automatically get them to sort of think of like, well, this doesn't apply to me. Mm. And so they become further isolated, right? Even though they're the ones that are keeping the, the infrastructure of our society going and all because of, you know, particular political ideals, it, it gives them that sense of isolation and, and, and what is the, uh, the word I'm looking for, but the, uh, where participation in democracy becomes uh, not a reality for them. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is in, uh, interesting for us to re reconfigure and rephrase what quote unquote citizenship means and really seeing it in the light of like a sort of a privilege. Right. And, but I think we can dismantle that privilege and apply that word to anybody who's just living in, in a space. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I don't know. What are your thoughts about it? That happened. <laughs> <laughs> so children and families, they're coming with us with a, a variety of different ideologies. Mm -hmm. So how, how are you balancing the difference of opinions and ideas in the classroom from conservative ideology to, to views from the liberals to the green party, et cetera, et cetera, which I think is great because, you know, you entertained the idea of voting for McCain in 2008 and then Obama in 2012. <laughs> so I think you're, you're much more better equipped than most people um, who are hardline party liners to answer this question. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, well, you know, and it's interesting because, like, obviously, based out of Seattle, like, there's in the little bubble of Seattle is like there there is a pretty hard line way of of seeing things and or voting for things, let's say. And I think ultimately, like, you know, we go through our own processes of like shifting through or sifting through you know, what's going to be fisc fiscally responsible versus, and what's going to be socially responsible and how do we marry those ideas and how do we, you know, how do we take on the challenge of explaining that to our younger, our younger people that, um, that were around or even how do we participate in conversation with each other as adults when we, when we have these differing ideas. And I think like when we're, when we, and I would, I would suggest for people to find a constructive way of, of modeling that up in, in front of children, you know, have these hard conversations like, Oh yeah, Mike, you voted for this and I voted for that. Tell me why. Give me understanding. Let's, what do I say? Like, let's argue for understanding mm -hmm. rather than like for the one-upmanship. Mm -hmm. So I think the balance is really just having conversation with the foundation of that we're trying to seek understanding rather than a you're right, I'm wrong or teaching kids how to respectfully disagree. Right. Mm. Compromise and compassion, right? Like yeah. those things. <laughs> 
So we're recording this a couple of days before the presidential election of 2020 in the United States. If you haven't voted yet, I think you know what I'm going to say next. Vote. <laughs> but most people might be actually listening to this afterwards. So what's the post-election message you're giving here to children? Um, speculate for me, because it doesn't matter who wins, there will probably be some civil unrest. There will be some passionate demonstrations. So how are you breaking that down to children? Do you have any techniques for us as educators or for, for parents of young children? Well, I'm going to speak in a, you know, in a very generalized sense because I think for, for children that are coming from a, a place where safety and security aren't even a question, um, meaning that they are born into a lot of privileges and maybe that's, you know, being affluent or their families are quote unquote, you know, citizens here or whatever, that at the end of the day, those kids aren't going to have the same burdens as children that are on the other end of the spectrum as them, right? Uh, meaning communities of color, children of color, um, children in, in a socioeconomic status that is uh, in a surviving sort of mode rather than just thriving. And not to say those children aren't thriving in their own right, um, but I, so those kids of color in the, in the marginalized communities are going to need all the adults in their life regardless of the of the voting well if the or if the vote does go a particular way they're going to need all the adults in their life to remain steadfast and to be anchors in their lives of reassuring and letting them know that they are protected they are loved they are safe and that those adults in their lives will do everything in their power to make sure that their livelihood and their caregivers livelihood whether it be guardians parents grandmas grandma grand, grandmas grandpas whoever's taking care of the child mm -hmm. that those that they will continue to have those adults in their life and that other adults like us early childhood educators and um, others child care service workers will exercise every means that they have to make sure that those children have the love and compassion and safety that is a right that they're basically going to have their rights. And, you know, and I think for the families that are affluent and have a lot of privileges, um, you're going to need to really look back at yourself and know that like, yeah, what you're upset about, because if a vote doesn't go your way, that you're ultimately your kids aren't going to have to worry about you going, being taken away mm -hmm. from them. And that you still have a lot of security and safety. And so think about how you can help those other communities or, or empower those communities through, through your actions and, and, and what you, and the conversations that you have with your children, you know, um, finding those courageous places to, to talk about race and inequities and, and socioeconomic status. And it's not easy, and, but there are resources out there to help you out. So I want to go back to, Kind of the first thing you or I said, I can't remember who 
Ubon drop up. It's democracy is indigenous. Mm -hmm. Like what? Yeah. Why? Why is that there? Yeah. Yeah. That's a you know a little bit of like history for people is that the framework of the United States Constitution and the idea of democracy as we know it. Yes, I know. I think democracy is rooted in Greek or whatever. And the practice of what we have in the United States was actually formed by the, the Iroquois Confederacy. Hmm. They had they had a you know their own form of the Constitution that we built ours off of. Really? Mm -hmm. Huh. And and it's very and they had been using it for like centuries before um, white immigrants came over, right? <laughs> and I think we were talking about that, like where. The, the the quote unquote founding fathers of of the United States came over and defaulted themselves as citizens, and then anybody else who came in is all of a sudden like now an immigrant or whatever. It's just a a funny, uh, ironic kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, the the Iroquois Confederacy had a a whole uh, framework for which we built our constitution off of. And they, you know, they base it off of uh, three main principles of peace, equity, and justice. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, no, it means like a lot. Yeah. And then I even know. Thousands of years. <laughs> yeah, right? I even know, like, within my, my Chumash heritage that there was, uh, there were elected officials for each of the chiefdoms. And, and oftentimes women were elected because... They, you know, were better leaders. <laughs> can, yeah, and it was just—it's an interesting—it's an interesting thing to think about. And I'm sure other other nations had had their own form of selecting their leadership, but ultimately, you know, democracy is indigenous because it was frameworked by indigenous people of the United States. And you know, so we still land and everything else where we can't still equity peace and justice we could say yeah. it yeah. or we can say we can and i think there are equity peace and justice mm -hmm. just not for everybody yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so i appreciate that antidote because i you know i grew up on the traditional lands of the air Force people and yeah it just goes back to to how whitewash our curriculum has been because mm -hmm. i slept a nourished on their land and yet all I learned was about the longhouse. Mm. So. Yeah. And, you know, uh, kind of going back, I know, you know, one thing about like what we're telling messaging to the children, we've talked offline a little bit um, and letting, we got to also tell, you know, if let, let's say, I guess, should we just say the political name of the person? Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's say your your choice, your demo, your your the Democratic Party wins election for presidency, or presidency switches up. We have to understand that just because that happens, the work isn't done. Mm. So the act of voting cannot be a one-time conversation. No, because the results of the election is going to continue to have such a tremendous impact on on all of our lives. Yeah, I and mean, you said that you know. There's going to there's going to be civil unrest. There's going to be passionate demonstrations, and you know the one thing I was I was telling you, all right, everybody. Donald Trump did do some good. 
mm-hmm. for the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love saying that as a provocative question I because being record to scratch. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> what he did and the actions of his cronies was it, it further pulled the veil off of all of, of the disease that is the systematic forms of oppression. Mm. And it showed us blatantly how alive it is. And it's like, I think I've told you like any good disease or cancer, it just evolves and it becomes more sneaky and hides itself. Mm -hmm. But thankfully Donald Trump, like just, she was like, Hey everybody, it's all here. Mm -hmm. Like here it is. And I'm putting it into action. Yeah, you know, I had to lose a lot of friends because of that. I had to lose a lot of social capital. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm actually super happy for that because I couldn't believe I was laying my head next, you know, down next to someone who I thought was someone completely different. Yeah. And so our work, let's say Biden is elected. Our work isn't just like, all right, wipe our hands clean. Things yeah. are good now. November <laughs> 5th, we're good. Yeah, we need to keep on persisting on bringing more equity to the United States. And, and just because Biden is in, in, in the presidency doesn't mean that these, all these isms are just going to go away. Mm. We need to keep actively questioning what we're doing, what we're saying with children. What are the curriculums that we are proposing and that we are perpetuating? Cause again, I think, yeah, we'll bring it back to a couple or episodes ago that, the idea of structural functionism and when we think about history repeating itself, it's not history repeats itself. It's that institutions keep perpetuating the same cycles. Mm -hmm. So we are already, I think making some good progress on dismantling those cycles and it's going to be still a long road ahead with or without whatever who is in presidency. Yeah. But we can't just get complacent just because we get what we want. Cool. Well, that's our uh, that's our election special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you vote yet? I voted. Okay, good, good. Otherwise, I voted for you and me as president. Hey, please don't write us. No. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> I was just joking. Or Kanye, or anyone else. Right? Just <laughs> don't do it. Don't vote in Yeezy. Yeah. All right, brother. All right, man. Take it easy. You too.